0: Your Locked On Canucks, your daily podcast on the Vancouver Canucks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Locked On Canucks. Today's episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. Happy Thursday, everybody. And Today we're going to be talking about a little bit about uh, some NHL news. We got some stuff to cover specifically surrounding uh, ads today. We're going to be talking a lot about advertisements. So it's only fitting that we started the show uh, with a little bit of an advertisement right off the bat. We're also going to be talking about uh, Oliver Ekman-Larsen today in our very first Canucks player profile of the offseason. But, of course, first let's start with the fact that the biggest news of the NHL... In the last week, there hasn't been a lot of Canucks stuff to talk about, frankly, a lot of Canucks specific stuff, uh, I should say. But here we are in our second episode talking about uh, advertisements, specifically the ones that go on jerseys. Uh, The NHL, it came out today, uh, according to a report by Sportico, or yesterday, I should say. Uh, that the NHL will be putting ads on jerseys starting with the 2022-23 season. So, this year uh enjoy it while you can. This is the potentially the last year of a uh advertisement-free NHL of advertisement-free NHL jerseys, which is kind of surpri- which is shocking to say the least. I think for a lot of people, including myself, I it, it's both you know what? It's both shocking and not shocking at all because on one hand um on one hand, it's it on one hand, the jerseys in hockey have always been considered pretty sacred. Like there we talk about hockey culture. There, you know, there are some there are obviously some very unsavory parts to it. But one thing that they've always been very adamant about is that the jersey, the your jersey is a part of your identity. There's the whole, you know, play for the logo in the front, not the name on the back kind of thing. So there it's always been held to a very high standard, especially by NHL teams. So It is a little bit weird to see them now pivoting on that, especially after years of saying, we will never, oh, you'll never see ads on jerseys. I believe Gary Bettman at one point saying that, oh, you'd have to drag me kicking and screaming (laughs) to put advertisements on jerseys. And yet here we are literally a year after first putting uh, ads on helmets last season as part of the way to supplement the losses of the the big... uh, income losses from the COVID-19 pandemic uh and the can- and the paused pandemic season uh with having no fans in the building and everything now uh, after one year of that of the supposedly like quite successful run of that not only are we going to continue to have ads on the helmets going into this year we're also now going to see these jersey these jersey ads too now it's not entirely out of. It's not entirely a new thing. Obviously, if you've ever seen, say, like the MLS, uh, you'll know they have clearly, like most soccer teams do, they have ads right on the front of the jerseys. Uh, more, uh, more uh, importantly, in this particular case, I would say we're talking about the NBA and how they have made it so that there are now ads. I, I believe a, th- I believe it's a three-inch uh, or like a two, like a two and a half by three-inch patch or something like that. Um, it's a little, it's a, and it's like, it fits a certain space on the, on the jersey, on the shoulder. Um, and the WNBA has the exact same, uh, has the exact same, uh, plan in place. Uh, the NHL is planning to go with a, 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 a slightly bigger version, like a slightly bigger ad. According to Sportico, uh, quote, the ads must fit a rectangle three inches by 3.5 inches. Um, a good example of this as well. Uh, at least from an actual North American standpoint, is actually the CFL, which just came back, I believe, a couple weeks ago. Um, They have ads, I think, around that same size, in that same kind of, like, rectangular patch style uh, on both of the shoulders. Um, And that's something that the NHL could be potentially looking at. Uh, I don't know if they said specifically where these ads are going to go on the uniform, Uh, I just, I think, I believe the, uh, the article only said just how big they were going to be. I don't think there was any specific placing, but most people believe it's going to be somewhere on the front of the Jersey in like that prime real estate above the logo, like it is in the NBA. Personally, I'm very torn. I am somebody that does believe that, you know, hockey jerseys are special. And I, I believe also you know, and they're they hold a v they're part of the identity of a team and of the fan base. And so when you start cluttering it up with ads, I think it gets kind of I think it kind of cheapens it. It 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 definitely cheapens the the jersey itself. But at the same time, I also see the idea of, you know, hockey is a business and uh, and and it's always has been like there. I think there's this. I think there's this uh this idea in a lot of hockey circles that oh um that ads are not have never been a part of the the plan and that it's and that it's crazy that ads uh would ever show up on a uniform or that sort. And I remember a lot of these conversations being had last season when we talked about the helmets. Um. But it's really not true. Hockey's always been about ads. Like right back to when you go to the early days of hockey, the first game day programs—you better believe those had were full of ads. Uh, the boards start soon. The boards had ads. Then the ice had ads. Then the ice behind. Then the ice in the back behind the nets had ads. Like. It, Ads have always been really a part of the package of the sport, whether that's through commercials and or what you see on the broadcasts or what you see inside the arena. the The stadiums are named are are sponsored. When for crying out loud, it's always been a part of it. And i i i I don't want to be under this. Uh, I don't want to sit under this guise of oh, hockey's always been above sponsorships or because it's just not true. And at the end of the day, it is a business and it, You and you gotta and you gotta pay the bills sometimes, and sometimes that's through sponsorships, and that's how it goes. But I am up I am a little sad, I would say a little bit upset that they're gonna put these on jerseys. Are there ways we can improve on this situation? Maybe a little bit. Like maybe the right sponsor comes along and maybe it can improve things for fans in certain aspects, as long as it's uh within good taste, I think is something that I put on there. Like I feel like there are ways they can improve on this situation as far as it goes. I know a lot of people are going to be upset, but this is kind of just how... I don't know if there's anything we can do to change it. The NHL clearly liked the $100 million they that the helmet ads brought in last year. And I guess I'll say on a, go, on a bright side of things, the helmet ads did not... I think a lot of people at the time I remember a big thing being like, oh, they're going to be such an eyesore and super distracting. I remember last season by about... The first two weeks, I completely forgot they were there. Or completely, like, I just didn't notice. It was completely unnoticeable. And they did a pretty good job, I would say, on most of the uniforms of not putting in ad spaces or not using ads that, like, uh, were complete eyesores on the helmets or, like, were a different color. They did a very good job blending them in to the colors of that team and that specific team that they were sponsoring in the color of those helmets. Uh, for the Canucks case it was a little bit weird because their ad sponsorship was with Rogers who also of course is the uh, is the brand that sponsors the the Rogers arena, their stadium and everything uh, for those of you I don't know well you're you're a you're a you're a fan, you're listening to a daily podcast. you know Roger you of course know what Roger's arena is. I don't have to explain it to you. It was a bit weird on the away uniforms how those were in red how those were red and or, but the blue uniform, but the the home jerseys and everything uh, that was the Rogers logos and everything were in white, which made it look a lot better and a lot more uh, like it fit on the uniform, which is what I want to see in this case. So, which I guess is where it comes into how posing the question of how can we improve on this situation? How can the NHL make this as easy and as comfortable a, a, a transition for the fans as possible first one I'll say right off the bat for us Canadian for all us uh, for any Canadian fans or people who follow Canadian teams Please please only limp. Please limit it so that only Rogers Bell and Scotiabank can only sponsor one team it it it's very funny Seeing how literally there are about three teams. I think I think I want to say I want to say it was a uh, Yahoo. Yahoo's NHL Twitter posted a link of like team of like posted a meme of like uh, a guy, of like the guy sweating trying to choose between the two buttons of either Rogers Bell for their ad or some bank, which is so deathly accurate. <laughs> um, it's true. Like I mean, you look at all the teams that any if you if you your team. Teams Arena wasn't sponsored by one of Rogers or Bell, chances are your helmet had Scotiabank on it if you're a Canadian team. And even if you go down the list of all the other teams in the States, a lot of them came from either arena sponsors, which sometimes which were more varying or which are more varying in the US, but a lot of banks. A lot of banks on there. Like you had TD, you had BNC. I believe you had uh, you had Nationwide Insurance, like just going down the list. There are some interesting ones on in there, but yeah, most teams in Canada were sponsored by like the same four brands. I think Canadian Tire had the Senators. Uh, was uh, was the was the one on the Senators? Um, you so hopefully, I would like to encourage the idea of if teams are going to do this, what they should be looking at is the idea of putting ads on jersey on these ads. Uh, picking local team, picking local sponsorships, picking brands that are not already part of the package, um, and trying to broaden your horizons in terms of bringing on more local sponsorships as much as you can. Maybe that, mo- maybe that includes moving, say, Rogers off the helmets and putting them on the jersey and going for something else and going for something else on the helmet, I, there are lots of businesses, especially in Vancouver, uh, that could potentially see the, you know, want to pay the money to put themselves on a uniform. Look, at, look for them. Look for, look for local companies to do business with, if you possibly can. Speaking of companies sponsoring local hockey endeavors, this episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing the only brand their warehouse happens to carry? You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. As a college kid, I am currently looking for a a new car to use, specifically a used Toyota hybrid of some kind, and I am always looking for the cheapest way possible to make sure my car is at the top shape, and when I do, you better believe I'm going to be going to Rock Auto to look, because why choose to spend 30%, 50%, even 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or car dealership? And they're a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years, and their prices are reliably low for every customer. Go to rockauto.com right now to see all the parts available for your car or truck. Write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices. All the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com One other idea I had in mind for how the NHL could potentially... Um, make these 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 jersey ads a little bit more palatable for for the fans to to see is maybe if there's a little bit of personality to how they uh, dole them out and specifically this is where I talk about the this is where the patches on the arms specifically come in mind for me. Uh, one thing I'm one thing I mentioned uh, earlier obvi- was the uh, idea that maybe instead of going for right on that prime real estate on the front of the jersey, you go for something along the arms. You might remember a few years ago, the NHL did this thing where uh, for their centennial season, uh, they put NHL 100 patches on all of the arms. And I'm thinking that maybe this is the best spot to put the ad space on, on on players for the foreseeable future comes in too. Because Especially because, you know, a lot of teams will do, like, special event night patches, or, you know, in the playoffs, there's the cup final patches, the, there's the all-star game patches, the heritage classic ones, uh, the winter classic ones. There's, a, there's usually, those patches are usually fill up, especially when you add in the captaincy and the A's on top of it. So, the amount of real estate is not actually that big on that front of the area. It's not often there. So maybe putting on the shoulders is keeps it a little bit away from the central area that's a little bit more uh, important when it comes to the front-facing, like the front-facing on television and everything. And in person, it makes it a little bit more, a little less distracting. But this is the other part, because technically this means you can put two ads on the same jersey. And here's where I think it could get interesting. Maybe instead of having, say, one company sponsor both are, both patches, hear me out here. What if instead you had one side of the, one patch on one side was a team sponsor. So every, let's say in the Canucks case, we're talking about Rogers. Every jersey has a Rogers patch on it uh, for every player. It doesn't matter who you are. But what if, te- what if companies could specifically sponsor individual players? And that the other arm was used exclusively for team, for companies coming to the NHL and saying, "Hey, we want to sponsor Elias Patterson. Let's we want to put a patch. On, we want to pay for the the real estate on Elias Pat on Elias Patterson's left arm. I almost called him Elias Paterson, which would have been terrible. Um, and you put it. You, and then maybe they're willing to pay a little bit. They're willing to pay more money specifically just to have it on that." players jersey and if you're if you know one thing about the NHL and the way that they have advertised for a company for a a league that strives itself on its business and being on its business acumen and being able to uh get these sponsors for these things They've done a very bad job at at uh, showcasing their athletes and specifically marketing their athletes. What if potentially you can work in deals where it's like, okay, you can sponsor specific players, and but now you got to include them in some like ads or some mar- or in some uh, in uh, some magazine thing, uh, uh, photo shoots or whatever, or you have to include them on billboards or in commercials. Like I see a pun a bunch of national commercials for for guys in other sports, like, uh, there are Raptors, Toronto Raptors players in national ad campaigns all the time. And I know that that's partially due to the fact that, you know, it's, they own the entire Canadian market. So it's a little easier, but even that, even still, I feel like it's very rare that I actually see hockey players doing a lot of ads and doing a lot of commercials and ad campaigns specifically because that's part of the way hockey's always, hockey's never really done a good job of putting those stars at the forefront. Like, I can't even remember the last time I saw Connor McDavid in an ad for anything that wasn't just hockey equipment. Like, th- I think the only ones that come to my mind right now are, like, when Sidney Crosby and Nathan McKinnon uh, did that Tim Hortons campaign for a little bit, driving, like, that Zamboni around. I rarely see Canucks in anything, and we have some very marketable stars here. Like, the the possibilities, especially on this kind of case, are endless, like, imagine a situation where maybe we finally get the Elias Patterson Gucci collab that everyone on the internet has been asking for. What if, what if Gucci is just sponsoring his left arm? Like, that's pretty cool. That could be something there. Maybe Sony get, maybe Sony wants to market the fact that hey, we finally have PS5s in stock for everybody. Let's slap a patch on Quinn Hughes and then put him in some uh, PS5 ad campaigns. Like. These are the kinds of things that get your players out into the forefront. Obviously, the sport is important and the actual quality of the on-ice product is very important, but the NHL does need to step it up in the way that they approach marketing their their stars and their best players. Maybe the best way to start with that is by offering ad space specifically on individual players and not just and not just a one giving one company uh both part both re- all the real estate on those uniforms if they're going to go through with this again I think at the end of the day It doesn't really matter how I feel about the ad space and or, or that sort of thing I do personally think that I don't want to see ads on jerseys. They're fine on the helmets I don't really want to see them that much on the un- on the actual uniforms themselves But it doesn't really seem like we're gonna have a choice in that case We kind of have to make do with this situation and make it as best as we can And the way I see them doing that is by obviously, A, uh, not putting the patches on jerseys that they sell in the store, because nobody wants that. And number two, trying to actually get creative with the way that they do it and way that they market individual players to potential advertisers. Make it so that advertisers want to shell out the biggest bucks just to advertise with specific players. And with and on and make or and maybe package them up with some of the guys that might not always get those types of big name brand big brand products. Find your way. There are creative ways to get this in and to make this make this better for everybody and help bring a little bit more revenue, higher cap salary caps, and more money for more money for the players and the and the teams down the road. So hey, maybe we don't have to sit on a flat cap for the next five years you know if a company were going to put ads on my jerseys it would probably be built bar built bar is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar did you know that built bar has so many delicious flavors there is something in there for everyone from coconut to mint brownie to salted caramel to orange to german chocolate and if you haven't tried all their flavors you can get a mix box where you'll get two of each of their nine flavors and not only are built bar flavors the best tasting but they're healthy too they only have four to five grams of sugar per bar and only four to five grams of net carbs per bar. All are amazing flavors, all tasty, and all healthy. Built Bar is even the official protein bar of the U.S. track and field team. Isn't that neat? Go to built.com and use the promo code lock 15 to get 15% off your next order. That's promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order at built.com. When it comes to sports betting, there is only one place that has you covered and one place we trust, and that's betonline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing, and you can track all the action at BetOnline. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and all your UFC and MMA action. Before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. This is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs. Head on over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and use your 50% welcome bonus with the promo code Locked on, on your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. One last topic we I wanted to bring up today is Oliver Ekman Larson, and today we're kind of doing a little bit of a mini Canucks player profile. I want to do longer versions of these where we actually bring in some guests to talk about specifically some of the uh, some of the newer players coming into the system before they hit the ice for the first time during the preseason. Uh, but OEL has been uh, making the rounds on Canucks Twitter of late, specifically uh, in the last couple of days uh, surrounding a tremendous article by friend of friend of the show, Daniel Wagner, a.k.a. Pass it to Bullis, uh, my my former boss. Uh, He wrote a great article where he did a deep dive, basically, into uh, OEL's last season and what exactly makes him uh, tick and what has made him so successful or or lack thereof in the last few years. Um, So... Oh, basically, Oliver Ekman Larson was, you know, at one point, one of the best offensive defensemen in the league, but has really fallen off in the last few years, and uh, it's been kind of a shocking quick decline for him. He went from having 50-point seasons not not all that long ago, really. He's only 30 years old. He still should supposedly be around the peak. He's in the third year of a contract that he signed with the Coyotes uh, that pays him eight and eight and point two five million dollars per season. Uh the Canucks will not be getting that the brunt of that entire cap hit. Of course, uh the Coyotes will of do as the Coyotes chose to retain salary in the, the trade that brought him here in exchange for Jay Beagle, Ty uh and Louis Erickson and Antoine Roussel. Uh with Connor Garland coming back this way as well. As well as the ninth overall pick going to Arizona. So uh, with uh, with OEL It begs the question of, is it possible for him to regain his footing? And a lot of... Because a lot of people believe he can. Specifically, Canucks management believes he can. That's part of the whole reason he's here on such a hefty cap hit. And the fact that they were willing to sacrifice the long-term cap health of the team in exchange for spending this big chunk of change on OEL. And... Uh, Wagner decided to break down as much as he possibly could on what made him successful from going through the game tapes and everything so the things that uh, Daniel highlighted in his article specifically were his work on the power play his stick checking his physicality and his ability to jump into the rush Uh, With the cons being the fact that his skating ability has really dropped off, his net front work in his own zone, and the puck handling has really become a big thing. I encourage you to go read it for yourself. Uh, It's much more in-depth than what we're going to be able to get into today. Uh, It's a great read, And and with a lot of visual aids and stuff that I can't show on this, obviously, on an audio podcast. But I wanted to obviously talk about the fact of like there are certain things in that article that are very important to note. One of the things being that the fact of yes, a lot of OEL's points come on the power play. And if there's one thing, and this is from, you know, this is from the eye test stuff. You know, whether or not you're somebody that wants to make the analytics versus eye test debate, uh, this is the actual this is the actual meat of going into his shifts and seeing what makes hi- why how he works and what makes him a good hockey player. Power play is important to him. He gets a lot of points that way. Problem here in Vancouver, obviously, is the fact that he will be the second man on the power play unit behind Quinn Hughes, the clear who is clearly the quarterback of that first of that first power play unit. Now, it is entirely possible that with the team and the uh, and the forward core they have now, uh, potentially with Vasily Put Golsen coming into the mix, you have Connor Garland coming in. Um this group is going to be a lot better on the power play than they were in years past. So now you can actually potentially put together a second power play unit that's not just out there to kill time and just prevent a a scoring chance on their own end. Uh, You can actually really try and even out the ice time, not put so much pressure on that first unit and really give them a better chance at scoring with the man advantage. But of course, that's a short, that's a small part of the game. You have to be good at even strength and that's, not been OEL's strength of late. He re- That needs to be picked up. Now, the one thing that I personally see in what where we could find success here, I am very skeptical of the fact that OEL is going to suddenly pick it up, and you should be too, because 30 years old, like, yes, you're still in your peak, but when you've had the fall off, specifically after, I believe it was knee surgery not that long ago for Ekman Larson, that he has had... That's not really something that a lot of players re refine later, specifically at the level that they expect him to. Like, we're not talking about a guy who say went from twenty points a season to fifteen points a season. Nothing of that sort. We're talking about a player who went from who went from who went went from having a career high of fifty five points in twenty fifteen sixteen. So six so six seasons ago to 24 points last year, went from, went from scoring 55 and 75 to 24 and 46, essentially not like, you know, he went from to half a point a game. He's become ha- a half a point a game player as a guy who is supposed to be his main skill is supposed to be his, his offensive ability on the blue line uh, and his puck moving. Um, and he does have those pieces there. Uh, Daniel really highlighted the fact that when he wants to jump up into the rush, he can really become effective, but he doesn't do it as much as he used to. Uh, and for whatever reason, he just doesn't. And I do wonder how much of that, uh, is due to potentially a coaching change, which is my, which is where I'm most interested to know with what the, what the difference might be. The one thing that I could see potentially working in Oliver Ekman Larson's favor is that the last few years he's been working under a Rick Tocket coach team, which if you've watched any of their games over the, the over that time span or seen any of their matchups against the Canucks, it's a very slow and slogging and just it's a it's a race through mud, essentially. It is defensive first, very, very little uh attack. It's very much a you go and you score one goal and then go into a sh- defensive shell, which is where Oliver ekman larsen is probably potentially at his worst. Uh, specifically, when it comes to the way that his his net front presence, he is not. He often leaves a lot of guys open in that in that uh, in the front of the net, and and which forces the goalies to do a lot more work than they should. Uh, and if we if there's one thing about the Canucks in the last few years, it is the fact that uh, they've had to have Thatcher Demko. And uh, Jacob Markstrom before him bailed them out a few too many times, specifically uh, lost men, lost men from the defense in front of the net uh, and a lot of offense and a lot of scoring opportunities. So but I will say that right now, again, because of how much stronger this forward core is now than it was, say last season, I do see a scenario. Where maybe the Canucks play a little bit more of a high octane offense, I'll say, like the Toronto Maple Leafs, where it's a little bit more of the we're going to if they score four goals, we're going to score five. If they score seven goals, we're going to score eight. Is it the is it the most uh, strong way to play? Probably not. It's it's definitely the more risky, but it's more entertaining. And I, I think if the Canucks play a little bit more of the high octane offense that they can and that they're more equipped to play, frankly, right now, then I think a lot of the defensive uh, strategies that I think Travis Green wants to instill just doesn't have the blue line to do it right now. Uh, I think if they play a little bit more and put a little bit more gas, um, put a little bit more gas on that offensive core, and try and outscore opponents a little bit more on a nightly basis. I think Oel could have some decent success. I think it's about finding a way to get him reinvigorated. He has talked about, you know, he kind of got checked out in Arizona, which I will say, regardless of where he's coming of what where he's coming from, that does concern me. I I will say I don't want to hear from a player that he was checked out uh, and stop and stop maybe putting in the same percentage of effort that he could have been. That does worry me uh, about, say, if the going gets tough in Vancouver, which it certainly did last year, what's going to happen at that point. Uh, But he's coming in, he's coming in clearly excited to be in Vancouver and clearly excited to play here. So it'll be interesting to see if he's able to back that up on the ice. The one thing being, of course, the fact that That Daniel really highlights in this article that is the most probably the most important thing is that a lot of the things he does well are he does still very well, Um, and the and even the cons and even the cons of his game like they're bad but they're not like they're not atrocious they're not gonna they're not uh, an absolute an absolute sinker the problem being is the fact that this is a guy who the is gonna cost the Canucks seven seven. $7 million plus per season for the next six, I want to say six, six years. And you can't have a just okay player on that. He has to be amazing. He's your highest paid player on the team right now. He should be your best player every single night. And if he's not, it means he's not good enough. And that's kind of the problem. And that's really what it comes down to. If Oliver ekman Larson were doing all of these things and were, say, making, I don't know, we'll say $2 million, maybe $3 million, it's a little bit more easy to stomach those mistakes and those issues. But at the co- at the cost he is currently making, your biggest worry is can he find his game again and be able to find it at a level that makes him worth $7 million per year. And this closes my second ever episode of Locked on Canucks. Thank you so much for listening. If you're enjoying this Locked on content, definitely make sure to go check out Locked on Bets. Betting on the Vancouver Canucks doesn't have to be a guessing game. If you listen to the new Locked on Bets podcast hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling, get daily picks, blowout specials, wrong team favored picks, and Lee Sterling's Lock of the Day. Follow the Locked On Bets podcast, brought to you by BetOnline.ag, wherever you get your podcasts. And make sure to follow our show as well on all of on your podcast platform. Make sure to hit the bell if there's an if that exists on your platform to get notified when new episodes come out. Make sure to leave a review as well. We love those. Uh, you can chat with me at Lockin'thecrease the Crease on Twitter and on the podcast account at Locked On Canucks. if you have questions for a future mailbag episode or anything you'd like me to talk about in a future episode, because we got a lot of them coming for you, uh, definitely reach out. Let me know what you want to hear from this show. Uh, Until that time, thank you so much for listening to the Locked On Canucks podcast. Have a great rest of your day, and I will see you back here tomorrow.